Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I don't know about you, but I've heard Ecclesiastes read so many times in my lifetime, but I'm struck with the five lessons that I'm about to offer to you on the subject of training the will of your child. I've talked a lot about the will of a woman, and I've said for decades, an unruly mother cannot expect anything other than unruly children. And dear King Solomon, he says, for everything there is a season, every matter under heaven, a time to be born and die, to plant and pluck up, to kill and to heal, to break down, to build up, to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, to throw stones, to gather stones, to embrace and to refrain from embracing, to seek and lose, to keep and throw away to tear and sow, keep silence and speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I have been praying for you regarding these five lessons, that it's a time for you to listen to the Lord about the possibilities of reparenting you and then what you might change in your parenting style for your children. Day four. Are you hanging in there with us? I hope you are. This is the best definition I have ever found in all the years I've been studying about parenting. To train is for habit. To teach is for knowledge. I want to remind you as you listen to this fourth session, it is never too late, not ever, to change your parenting style. Now, on the website, you're going to find this information, but I just want to walk through it just in a couple of minutes. So the training is training the child by rote behavior. We talked about that last week, Proverbs 22 and 6. And the teaching is, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and I still declare thy wondrous deeds. And hear my instruction out of Proverbs. This is about the teaching, the learning of the principle. You train them by acting out the principle. They see you do it. And as they get older and then can understand audible concepts, can read for themselves, can understand instruction from your lips, then they are able to take it as a teaching. Now, as you can imagine, I, I prefer the teaching side over the training side. And I grew up in an environment that my Italian father said, don't do as I do, do as I say. Well, talk about an inconsistency in life. I mean, that is just, now I'm struggling. The man I am supposed to trust as a father, the image that God sent to be an image of him, is now doing it this way and saying this. How confusing is that for a child? And then you build in that confusion and what is duplicitous, and then you have to undo it as an adult. Don't do that to your kids. Don't, don't put them in a place where they have that duplicitous image and grow up having to undo it for themselves. I spent a whole decade of my life undoing what my parents showed me to do, failed to teach me to do. Training in the goal, again, is to perform rote memories. Teaching is to train for integrity. We train long before we teach. Training is doing Teaching is knowing. Training gives skills. Teaching gives knowledge. So why do I do what I do? 
I do what I do because underneath I have the knowledge that says this is what you should do. So why do I tell the truth? Because my mother said so? No. I tell the truth because God's word says thou shall not lie. Not only in the old covenant, but in the new covenant. So I'm trained to tell the truth. Oh, no, that's not true. No, honey, that was a lie. You can use the word lie. It's okay. No, children, you cannot tell a lie. There will be consequence for a lie. That's the training part. Now the teaching part is here is God's word. Old Testament, New Testament, epistles of Paul, Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Proverbs, Psalms. Thou shalt not lie. A lying tongue. Now I merge together the training and the teaching. We evaluate training by observing your children. What do your children do when they see Mrs. Otto? I don't want to talk to her. I don't like her. I don't want to go over there. You're training them, whether they like it or not, to do what you think is the polite thing to do, which is to extend their hand out to Mrs. Otto. Do they like it? No. Do you want them to be the kind of adult who sulks into a room, doesn't get up when someone comes in, doesn't greet them, doesn't say goodbye to them, doesn't say hello to them? That is the kindness of what God calls us to do with each other. That's what you're teaching them. You're training them kindness and respect for people, not just for their elders. Training is the shape of a habit, the shaping of a habit. When you get up and leave the bathroom, you flush the commode. Because your mother taught you how to do that. You don't go into the bathroom and say, now before I leave the bathroom, I have to be sure I have to flush the commode. No, it's a habit. You turn on the ignition, put the car in gear, push the gas, close the garage door, move out. It's a habit. You don't think about it. That's what you're training them to do, habitually to do the right thing. And then you're teaching them to know why. Uh, most, in the best training scenarios, we have both parents present. We have both parents present and both parents training for the same end result. Training covers sleeping, walking, laughing, crying, eating, drinking, talking, treatment of one another, sitting still in church. Do not tell me that your child cannot be trained to sit still in church. He can be. It's a lot of work on your part. It's a lot of work on your part. I remember my friend Val Shepard, who has eight children, and she was the first mother who I ever watched do this from infancy. And she would take her little infant babies as a part of preparation for church because her husband was a pastor, and they went to church all the time. And she would train the children in the living room from a small two or three months to sit in her lap, just to sit in her lap. And then as they got wiggly, she would put her arms out as a little boundary. They couldn't go beyond that. She would corral them in and she would time it five minutes seven minutes 12 minutes 15 minutes 22 minutes and by the time these children were 12 or 13 months old 12 or 13 months old when the wiggles are in the wiggle worms part of their lives they could sit in mama's lap with this boundary for 35 to 50 minutes that's about training do you want your children to go to church do you want your children to go places with you where they must be quiet you can't take a screaming child to a funeral home if someone didn't tell you that, let me tell you that. Okay? It's not an appropriate place. Can you take a child who is well-trained? 
I read recently a story of a mom who said a friend came over with her children and the friend said to her children and she said to her children now we want you to go in there and play until we come and get you one and a half hours later they went into the room extracted the children and brought them out no problems no crying no screaming no disobedience she said we had the hour and a half time as adults that we needed and I realized that neither one of us were training in that moment they had already been trained to do what mama told them to do go in the room play play nice be kind to one another share your toys so it isn't that screaming and yelling and carrying on that that has to go on in the early stages of training but it's about the end result so that you can walk away you want to walk away when they're 12 you want to leave them in junior high and know they're going to make great choices you want to give them the keys to the car when they're 16 and, and not be afraid that they're going to crash literally and, and, and figuratively that's why the training part is so important and why it's so important early on my godchild his father was a doctor his mother was a nurse and he was the firstborn child and came to them after 13 years of their trying to have a child so you kind of get the stereotypical picture it was really quite true and Willard just would just walk by the counter and bump himself just I mean literally that was just bump and we'd go through the padding and the and I'm thinking all well give that kid a break and tell him he didn't hurt himself you know I'm but I'm keeping quiet so we go to the railroad park Willard is about three and a half years old three and a half years old and there are a bunch of kids and they are all running up and down the gravel and playing and he is so happy to be outside with these kids he falls down on a piece of granite really two inches plus jagged cuts his leg cuts his leg cuts his leg we're talking a cut I think it may have even needed stitches blood running down his leg got that picture gets up runs off with the kids and I watched him and I thought oh my gosh you know we do what we want to do don't we at three and a half he bumps into it he gets blood running down his legs but he wants to be with the kids don't tell me you can't train for now I don't have the time or inclination today to give you the reminders of how we physically train our bodies runners without legs bicyclers who have our amputees nations around the world who to change the shape of their bodies alls in their ear to make their earlobes touch their shoulders lips that protrude feet that are shrunk because small feet are more appropriate we physically can change our bodies never think that you cannot physically change the will of a child by training him to do what he should do what God has called him to do what your family thinks he should do do not be afraid of it there are some musts in this world essentials and I mentioned one of them you must teach a child to be respectful of others that's what God calls us to It is not all about him or her respectful of others and going to a funeral home is that he should learn to be quiet and respectful of that that is a must there are no if ands or buts about that and I think one of the difficulties in the culture that we live in is that we have lessened the standards 
We have released ourselves from absolutes, and it is harder to make the choice of what is a must, what is an essential. Is there anything wrong with eating when you want to eat, drinking when you want to drink, sleeping when you want to sleep, reading when you want to read? No, no, there is nothing wrong with that. Intrinsically, there is nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to live in a world that includes other people, you have to learn that you cannot eat when you want to, drink when you want to, sleep when you want to, read when you want to, play when you want to, turn the TV on when you want to. Why? Because you are learning to respect the other individual units in your family and the world that you live in. You cannot go from lane number three over to the turning lane in one fell swoop. There are other cars on the road. Not only will there be consequences that you may crash your car, but it's a rude thing to do. And those habits, those things come from the very act of a young child being given the permission to do what he wants to do when he wants to do. And some of you say, well, why wouldn't I let him read when he wants to read? I mean, he can turn the light on in his own room. It's not about reading or not reading. It's about training for the self-control and self-denial that's required in our lives. Have you had to control yourself and deny yourself something? Did you choose to have this child and then what happened to your body? Um, I've said this for 38 years. I still have stretch marks from one child. I chose to do that, but I denied my body. I didn't, I, there was a self-control that was necessary during pregnancy, much less what is required from us in life. This is not about them. It's about God's plan, and God's plan is that we be in right relationships with one another, that we value what he values, that we prize what he prizes. And Philippians 4 tells us that we are to regard others more importantly than ourselves. I want my coffee now. I want it now, and I don't want it to be interrupted. And that is a nana. That is a nana auto. When my little grandson was born, he's four now. When my granddaughter was born, in their infancy, and I was in their home helping my daughter, I would get up early in the morning and have one of those infants in my arm and my cup of early morning coffee in my other. And I said to those children, don't get in the way of nana's coffee. I mean, from the minute they were born, I, I made the joke about don't get in the way of nana's coffee. But I tell you, the more I joked about it, the more I saw the seriousness of it. What do you mean, don't get in the way? Can you not do without your coffee, Nana? Yeah, I can do without my coffee. Can I have my coffee if I want to have my coffee? Sure. But if the relationship in my family matters, and I'm going to get up and bang around the kitchen and make coffee and wake up the people who are sleeping, then I don't need my coffee. And that's how we're training our children. Prize what he prizes. Prize what he prizes. The movie Saving Private Ryan, uh, a hard, hard film to watch. But I remember the opening scene, and there they are getting off the boats, landing at the beach, and all of their officers are being killed. And the trained officer who goes right down the line, and suddenly the commander is nothing more than a private. And I can still remember seeing the scene where the private is going, like, Who's in charge? It's me. And he tells this whole bank of men what to do, and they do it. And I think th that's what a trained person looks like. 
It isn't who tells them to do it. It isn't if the tone isn't right. It, it isn't if it's not in the right environment. It's about the fact that they have learned, they have been trained to take the order, to take the authority. Right now it's your authority. When they're infants, you and Papa are the only authority. Then they stretch out and they go to school and there are other authorities. And then they stretch out and there are other authorities and other authorities and they learned how to do it. Children must obey their parents. It's a must. God said so. Children must obey the laws of the land. It's a must. God said so. They do not have to choose Christ. It is not a must. It is not a must. You cannot force that upon your children. It is impossible to overestimate the importance of be obedience. It is impossible to overestimate the importance of obedience. Forming the habit of a ready will, a willingness to submit, will prepare your children, will prepare your children for the habit of obedience to God. God requires obedience of us. He requires it. He tells you what happens if you don't obey. Just like a mama tells her children what happens if they don't obey. A child that is trained in the essentials uh, will grow to honor his father and mother. And the Proverbs tells us that a child who is trained by a mother or a father who does not require something of him will grow to hate his parents. It's a scary thing, but God is very clear to tell us how it happens. We're not talking about spanking. We will talk about spanking, but I will tell you they will not die if you spank them. That's all I'm going to tell you, and that's also biblical. Okay, now I just want to run over a few things about training, and then we're going to quit. Child training is a matter of repetition, not nagging. Repetition is different than nagging. Child training is not about screaming. It's not about practicing the stopping by giving a count to three or 12. You're training them, then that's what you're training them to do, if that's what you want to do. But if you want them to obey you and instantly obey you, not only for their safety, but for the practice and the habit forming of learning how to obey an authority, you don't want to elongate it. You don't want to make it out there. If you don't do this by the time I get to, if you don't do this and I'm going to count to, if you don't do this this time, you're going to get... You're only delaying, delaying, delaying. Teach them you mean it. And that means you need to give them clear, understandable instructions. Not too many windy words, girls. Don't try to explain it. They want to know what time it is, tell them what time it is. Don't build them a clock. Teach them the clock later. Okay? Right now, as little ones, teach them to understand. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He will give you the wisdom and how to handle each one of your children. He created them. He knows them. He knows their DNA. He knows what they need. Ask the Lord to give you help. Train them for self-control. Train them to learn how to, as I said, train and control their bodies. An infant child arches his back, thrashes, screams, cries, kicks, wriggles. They do that. You've all seen them do that. And you think in a nanosecond, where did that come from? This pleasant, wonderful, infant, small, unpenetrable child. Well, they have a very strong will that they bring with them. Now, there's the old flicking discipline. The old flicking discipline. I practiced that. 
and it was on rubber pants when my little girl was an infant. We wore cloth diapers and rubber pants. The world has changed a little. But the diapers that today still have that little plastic crunch. Now, when Anissa behaved in her early days, 12 or 14 days old, like that, screaming, kicking out her back, raising her arms, a different kind of cry. Do you know the difference of their cries? The demanding cry, the sobbing, broken-hearted cry, the in-pain cry. Mamas, learn the cries of your babies. I knew that that was a cry that was a demand. She didn't like what was going on right then. She did not like the fact that I took off her diaper and it was cold out there. She didn't like coming into the world because she had been in this fabulous sack for nine months, warm, watery, comfortable, quiet, and now she's out in the rude, cold, lit room of the delivery room. But I would learn to flick her little diaper and that noise, and I would say in a different voice, no, Anissa. And then I would hold her little body when she would do that. And then we'd go on with life. And then the next time, I would do the same. Learn to train your children early on. Control their muscles. They can learn to control their muscles. This can be done prior to their speech patterns. Children understand long before they can speak. Can you train them to cry quietly? Yes or no? How many of you say yes? Yes. How many of you didn't do it? Okay. Well, do you know that? It, have you seen a child who is just making a scene crying or a child who has learned to cry? Cry because he needs to cry right now. And that's how a mama trains a child. Uh, Susanna Wesley trained all of her children to cry softly, is, is the word that she uses, not quietly, softly. It wasn't shutting them down. It was teaching them that what? They were not the center of the world, and when something was going on in their life, it wasn't a scream-a-mania, and here I am, it's all about me. Because you grow up... How many of you were called princesses by your mothers? fathers. Let me see your hands. Anybody? A few of you. How many of you found out that you really weren't a princess? It's kind of a blow, isn't it? Well, that's sort of what we're saying when we say teach them to cry softly. Coaxing and rewarding a child into self-control is bribery. It does not teach them self-control. It teaches them more authority mother control. The intelligent choice of exercising control or suffering the consequence is what you're training them to do. Okay, any other questions? Coaxing and rewarding a child. Bribery. Come on now, we can do this. No, we can do it this way. No, we should do it this way. doesn't mean that you're not kind-hearted, long-suffering, and patient. It just means that mama is in charge. And, and I'm not going to bribe you. If you do this, you'll get that. That's a carrot. There are times the reward is out there. You save your money, you get a new bike. You save your money, you put $5 into the new bike. Papa and Mama put $5 more, you get a new bike. That's not, if you're quiet right now, I'll give you a lollipop. Now, I tell you that in the grocery store, and there are times in life, let me see your hands if you've bribed your kids. We all do it. And there are times when it, do it. It works, it has to be done. But if that's the way you're training them, it will cause you problems later, and you'll be there for it. Yes, question. They get a star, a reward for their work. No, no, I'm not against it at all. I think that is an affirmation of their good work. 
okay? It's an affirmation of their good work. The job is done. Mother's not only inspecting what they're expecting. And that's an important part of mothering. That's why a mother needs to be there. You can't expect what you don't inspect. Make your bed before you go to school. If you don't go back there and look at it, how would you know? So the star, the smiley face, the acknowledgement, they're not, they're just getting an affirmation of a job well done. I get letters in the mail all the time from people who read my books or hear me speak at a conference and they say, and I, I always write them back and I always use the same opening line, thank you for your kind word of affirmation. You are affirming what I am doing in life. And that's a good thing. We need to be affirming. We need to be the one who is the hand of discipline, but we also need to be the one that's affirming. Yes? Um, my question is, I tried to teach my daughter the whole say hello to, to others, and she would clam up because she was shy. And then my biggest problem with that was every adult would say, oh, don't make her do that. Who's in charge of raising your child, every adult or you? To make them say, or even her Sunday school teacher. So what is it you do then? Okay, come on, come on up here, right up here. We're going to role play this right now. Hurry up. Wait, but I get to be the mom saying no, no, no. You get to be the mom saying no, 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 no. No, yeah, you get to be the other mom, okay? And the little child has just said, and you are the person who says, oh, don't make her do it, and I'm the mother. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, no, don't make her do it. Oh, it's all right. I'm training and teaching her to learn how to do this properly. Will you help me? <laughs> That's good. Who's in charge? You are unique mother and you are responsible. That woman is not going to be there when your child is 14. Don't let others run your world. Yes? I'm just going to add to that, that what I always say to my kids is that um, it's okay to be shy but not okay to be rude. It's okay to be shy. And, you know, I would go so far, and we don't have time to do this today. Listen for this question. Kim, where are you? Kim, the question. Write it down. Listen for this answer on the podcast, okay? The, the attribute of shyness or any other personality trait and how do we temper it? Because it isn't really okay to be shy either because it's still about self-interest. Okay, now I have a little tool for you, and we don't do this very often, but uh, we are doing it today. This is Wise Words from Mom. It was written by a gal named Ginger Plowman, and what she has done is taken a model... And across the top, she has given you categories, a child's behavior, how you probe into the heart to figure out what is that child's behavior a response to, reproof, which is putting off dealing with it, and sometimes you have to, or encouragement, which is putting on handling it now, and some passages that, from the scripture that affirm it, uh, conflict resolution, uh, coveting or discontent, defiant attitudes, bad friendships, fear, lying, revenge, tattling. Okay? Those are just some of the categories. Remember that children have their own rules too. They are natural rules. I like it, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If it was mine or appears to be mine, it's mine. They have their own rules too. So mamas, you have to make sure that your rules are biblically laced, that they are definable, that they are reasonable, and that they are enforceable. That they are enforceable. Your rules have to supersede what is the child's rule. What is the child's rule? 
Last week I said this to you as we ended our class. Remember, it is never too late. I don't know how old your kids are. Some of you have adolescents. Some of you have teenagers. Some of you have college-age kids. It is never too late to go to them and say, I blew it. I biffed it. Will you forgive me? I didn't teach you well. You're 14 right now, and I didn't tell you that this is how you should live your life. I just figured it out, and it's not too late to start right now. Things are going to look different. Mama's going to practice a new way, and I'm going to enforce that practice on you. Sorry it took so long, but it's never too late, and don't forget that. Thanks, Father, for today, for the privilege of our being together. I realized this week how much... I had to learn as a young mother and how many things I did so poorly. And out of that pain, Lord, out of that um, poor training I had as a child and that I began my parenting with my own daughter has caused such a passion in my heart to help mothers, to encourage them, to give them the tools that will give their children the dignity, the integrity the opportunity to choose Jesus as their Savior, for that is our highest and best call. Thank you for Homemakers and for the things that we learn together as a group. In your name we pray, amen. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of being a new parent.